How are you folks? Today is the 14th of May. I have Hayden Barnes, who is a developer advocate for Ubuntu on WSL. If you don't know, WSL is Windows Subsystem for Linux. Um, and Ubuntu is, of course, Canonical's, the, I guess you said flagship, right? Linux operating system. This is a pretty interesting talk. Uh, you know, the convergence of Linux capabilities into Windows has, has definitely been something that I think is both overplayed, but also in kind of the general tech arena, but kind of dramatically underplayed in, in our little like open source ecosystem. So we get into that, we get into kind of some of the effects community-wise of the WSL. And keep in mind, as of the recording date, so this is a little weird, right? By the time this comes out, build will either be in progress or have already happened. But we are recording, as I said, on the 14th of May, meaning build Microsoft's developer conference has not yet happened. And there's pretty, how can we say this, right? The, uh, you know, like Lord Varys in Game of Thrones, the birds are whispering about some pretty interesting WSL enhancements coming from Microsoft for build. So I think that this is going to end up being very timely. I have tried WSL about a year ago. Depending on what happens at build, I might try it again. But it's something to think about, right? Because I think a lot of us have to dual boot. I know I certainly, whether I'm on my iMac, Pro or my, uh, I can't remember the name of the model. It's the little System76 laptop or, or the Thaleo. What the hell? Galago. I think it's the Galago on the tiny new one. There's always, well, the Galago I don't dual boot, but the the iMac and Thaleo both have a uh, VM for Windows because it's just so prevalent with my clients that just simply not having access to it doesn't make sense. WSL, at least for my purposes, kind of puts that on its head. Okay, yeah, sure, you do most of your development in Python and Ruby and like Rust, and you do that all in the Linux environment, but you're often targeting Windows client applications, particularly, you know, I'm working with the aviation space, and they have like legacy apps that they've been running for longer than you would like. And by the way, we're going to have to have a talk about access in the coming weeks, and large businesses running their entire business on access when they could be automating it with Rabot, plug, plug, plug. Uh, yeah, I can't help myself, sorry. So... I think, you know, I, I just from the feedback, I know there's a few freedom penguins in the audience here, and I just just have an open mind. I think reflexively not not embracing or at least reflexively rejecting WSL is kind of a mistake from a community perspective. I also think that WSL can actually be a gateway drug to Linux. That's something that Hayden and I discuss. So yeah, I have an open mind. Hayden's a great guy. I've actually told, I interviewed him years ago on Quitter Radio. You know, really, if you don't follow him, follow him on Twitter, follow him. He does some pretty, pretty interesting social media stuff. Uh, again, mostly targeted around the WSL, obviously, because that's his job. He's developer advocate for it. But yeah, as always, the show is brought to you by the Madbotter Inc., by Consultancy. If you would like anything developed, uh, let us know. We're particularly strong in Python right now because I have been bringing on Python folks like a madman. Because That's a long story, but we've added um, a Rabot functionality for Python and in fact, major parts of it have been rewritten from Ruby to Python. We're actually going to talk about that in a later episode. Have someone on saying like why we made that transition. Also, if you are a student in middle school or high school in the United States, you're cutting it close, but you still have about two weeks to uh, enter our Earth Day competition to win a System76 Thaleo. Thaleo is beautiful. It has been purchased. It is sitting in Denver, Colorado at System76 HQ just waiting for you check the link in the show notes for details on that you are cutting it kind of close because i'm going to announce a winner in the first week of june 
but I would encourage you to take take a look at it if you haven't already. And without further ado, you can follow me at Dominico on Twitter. And here's Hayden. Have a great day, guys. Hey, welcome, Hayden. Thanks for having me, Michael. So, you know, chocolate and peanut butter go together, but Windows and Linux? Hey, I'm a fan of combining any operating systems together. And, you know, I came from Mac OS, and I love that combination of the Nix terminal and those commercial apps. And while we're working to get those commercial apps to the Ubuntu desktop, in the meantime, an option for a lot of users is going to be running Linux on Windows. And it's actually really good. That's the great thing about it, is it's actually pretty awesome. And it's bringing new people into the Linux ecosystem. It's introducing new people to the command line and the terminal, I should say, right? And then they're starting to then branch out from there and explore other parts of the Linux ecosystem. Server, obviously, but um, IoT, robotics. I Someone showed me the other day they were using WSL to do FPGA programming, which oh, looks wow. a lot like designing your own circuitry and then flashing it, you know, so you could create custom ROMs for like legacy gaming systems like Amiga or Commodore and then flash it to a chip and basically have your own Commodore. And they were using WSL and Visual Studio to do that. So it was crazy. But that's the kind of thing we want people to do with WSL is to get use it as a gateway to get more involved in Linux generally. Interesting, interesting. And you, and you have uh, quite a history with this, right? Uh, previously, you were at Whitewater Foundry, which is, spoiler alert, on my Windows box, I still use Penguin. That might be great. And now you're over at Canonical, right? The makers of Ubuntu. Right. So how, how are you finding, I mean, how are you finding advocating for, I guess, the Linux subsystem on Windows? And is it different talking to people who are, say, you know, like already Windows admins or Windows developers versus people who are more in a Unix-y tool chain already like Mac or Linux? Is there a difference there or is it kind of the same conversation? So you have to know your audience. And I talk to Windows admins who are adopting Linux infrastructure kind of in their existing Microsoft ecosystem. And they're using WSL to train their techs on, you know, the terminal prompt, you know, bash. And, you know, I also talk to Linux, you know, developers and they, you know, they're starting to see their tools being used on WSL and, you know, it's a mixed bag. You know, some Windows admins are, you know, all in on WSL and, you know, some, a lot of Linux enthusiasts are, you know, excited about WSL. They welcome contributors from WSL. And then, you know, you have the negative people on both sides, but in general, I find people to be very receptive and open. And even though there are, you know, concerns sometimes, usually when you kind of lay out the facts of uh, the collaboration on WSL between Canonical and Microsoft, which, you know, Canonical was the first WSL distro. I mean, back in right, 2017, right, true. it was, it was originally bash on Ubuntu on Windows before they opened up the uh, store option. So when you kind of lay out the facts of this collaboration, you know, there's not really much to be concerned about. Yeah. I mean, what, what would the concern realistically be? 
I mean, I, I could see the the Linux desktop advocate maybe being concerned about WSL being good enough to prevent people from trying desktop Linux. Is that is that the kind of thing you hear or, or not even? Yeah. Maybe? So the concern is that, you know, users won't have to move to the Linux desktop to get that full Linux experience, you know, but there's so many ways to experience Linux and we don't necessarily want to force people to use the Linux desktop to use Linux. There's so many other ways to get involved. You know, there's server, you know, you could, you know, get a VPS, but you'd have to, you know, sign up for an account and get a card, you know, and even some of the hassles that come with desktop, like, you know, partitioning and stuff. That's not necessarily just because some of us like myself got involved in Linux that way, you know, trying to get Linux to run on, you know, hardware back in the day doesn't necessarily mean that's the way everyone else should get involved. And the good news is that our data shows even as Ubuntu on WSL adoption is surging, so is Ubuntu desktop. There's no evidence in our metrics that WSL diminishes adoption of Ubuntu desktop. Yeah. And and I mean, in my own little world, I'm seeing a lot of like content, you know, focused on getting folks over to Linux. And I would say in the last year and a half, right? Right. Mainstream publications like Forbes, uh, you know, Jason's doing some, was doing some great stuff over there. Ars Technica, right? Does major reviews of all the major uh, releases. I believe they just did one of 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Seems like it's never been more mainstream. Right. Well, there also seems to be a uh, resurgence in the popularity specifically of Ubuntu right now. The desktop is good. The apps are there thanks to the Snap Store. While there's some really great derivatives, it seems a lot of people are coming back to the main distro or one of the official flavors. And I think that's being reflected in the tech press. And, you know, there are stats that came out recently showing Ubuntu desktop usage. And some of that was just those metrics redefining how it broke out those operating systems. Basically, in those renewed in those stats, they modified how they defined Linux and they were able to move a bunch of category, a bunch of numbers from a general Linux category to the Ubuntu category mm-hmm. as its own item. And, you know, that shows that yes, Linux is still, you know, out there and chugging along at, you know, on the desktop, relatively small, but stable, you know, number, but that so many of them are Ubuntu. You know, so much of the desktop Linux experience is Ubuntu or Ubuntu based. So I think um, Ubuntu is certainly having a moment on the desktop, on WSL, and also on the public clouds. I mean, Azure, the Microsoft cloud, the default VM is an Ubuntu VM. So same goes for most of the other public clouds. If you're spinning up a VM on one of those, it's most likely going to be an Ubuntu distro. So, you know, that's where we are. I mean, I don't think there's reason to be concerned. Right. It seems to me too, that there might be an opportunity almost, uh, I, I hate this terminology because we're, you know, we're going back to the eighties here, but for WSL to be a sort of gateway drug, right? A safe way to try out working in a Linux environment via the command line, you know, learn the commands, particularly if you're like a visual studio developer and not used to working in that kind of environment to kind of try it out, get more comfortable, you know, before you go purchase your, whatever your pre-installed, uh, you know, system 76 or like Dell XPS or whatever, 
or sure. before you wipe and pave with Ubuntu, right? It seems like there should be, I mean, maybe, maybe this is me being a little optimistic, but there ought to be some sort of channel, right? Channel for migration there. Is that something you're seeing or not really? It's definitely something we're seeing. So we want to cover all of our bases. We have Ubuntu on WSL, which provides that integrated Ubuntu Windows experience, you know, where your C drive is automatically mounted for you and you can go access your Windows files. We also provide a multi-pass, which enables you to spin up a cloud-oriented Ubuntu VM on Windows, Mac OS, and Ubuntu Desktop. Yeah, can you tell a little more about that? So Multipass is a product from Canonical that allows you to provision a local VM using Cloudinit. And Cloudinit is a Linux image defining tool, you know, provisioning tool that Canonical created that actually we collaborate with Microsoft on and is built into Azure. When you go to create an Ubuntu VM, there's a box that lets you copy and paste your Cloudinit YAML, and that will configure your Ubuntu VM uh, on Azure. Well, you can test that in multi-pass where you can define, use Cloudinit to define an image and test your application before then pushing to something like Azure. But it works not only on Windows using the Hyper-V backend, but it uses the other backends, uh, LexD on Ubuntu and slash KVM, and then the native hypervisor on Mac OS. That's so interesting. We well, just, just so, so I'm thinking, of course, like everybody else, I'm hyper selfish, right? So like a practical use case for, for me or someone like me would be, and I just want to make sure I understand the purpose of the tool. I have some large Python or Ruby or whatever kind of application. I would like to save money or not have to deal with, you know, deploying to Azure every time I want to do something. I can have basically a Azure-like environment on my local machine in a VM to do kind of first-run testing. Is that is that a fair yeah. use case? And it's, and, and it's for when you need isolation. So WSL mm. is for when you want the integration, but then when you're ready to test the isolation, you, you have multi-pass as an option. So and to be clear though, multi-pass is Ubuntu server, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That makes tons of sense. Yeah. And then we also have Ubuntu and Hyper-V and those are the quick create images for Hyper-V manager that requires Windows 10 Pro or enterprise. But if you go and click quick create in Hyper-V, you get a, a choice of images. There are, a, there's a Windows dev image and there's some a Windows packaging tool image, but then you'll actually see more Ubuntu images than Windows images. And you can download optimized Hyper-V desktops for Windows. And that's something we work with Microsoft to provide so that, you know, let's say, for example, you've started on the command line and you're ready to move into something that maybe WSL doesn't quite support or you want to test on the Linux desktop, you now have an option, you know, so if you're deploying for cloud, you can go then try multi-pass. Right. If you're deploying to desktop, you can now spin up a Linux desktop in Hyper-V and test your app there. So, you know, we have a lot of on-ramps. If you go try the um, Azure shell, which is built into the Azure portal, and you go to the Linux shell, it's Ubuntu. You know, so 
we're everywhere. <laughs> that, and that's the goal is we want to be the way you come in to Ubuntu, to Linux. And we think Ubuntu is the way to go. And it sounds like you have quite a lot of, I don't want to say gradients because that's not really what I mean, but let's, let's say levels, like grades almost of, you know, coming from a Windows pro user environment to, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm wetting my beak a bit with WSL. Okay, I need to test on the cloud server. Let me uh, let me do multi-pass. Okay, now I want to try desktop. Let me, uh, it was Ubuntu Hyper-V was, was the correct name, right? Right. Is that kind of the progression you see or is it going to be, it's probably going to be case by case. It's case by case because different people have different needs and there's not a direct route either. Some people, you know, a lot of people are perfect. I'm not saying, you know, people aren't helped by WSL. WSL is incredibly powerful, especially WSL2. Just yesterday, I got uh, the Azure DevOps self-hosted runner running inside WSL2 so that we can now test builds of software directly on WSL2. You know, oh, nice. Just, you know, just looking for any potential edge case where there might be an issue. Um, we haven't found one yet because <laughs> WSL2 is just that good because it has the actual kernel in it. We don't find the issues we had with WSL1 and, you know, where like with, you know, in Glibc uh, recently, they modified a uh, sleep call to be more Unix-like. The problem is, is that WSL1 hadn't implemented that specific timer call in their translation layer. So those users couldn't upgrade to 2004, but that will not and will never be an issue in WSL2 because the kernel's there. We have a full kernel and we can patch the kernel and, and patch an update to the kernel pretty quickly. So it's WSL is getting very capable, but there's no direct path off of it. I mean, some people stay there. Some people right. move to the cloud. Some people turns out flash robots. <laughs> <laughs> But it's there. So, okay, just taking a step back to multipass, you mentioned Azure several times. Is multipass in some way tied to Azure, or is it more, you know, whatever your cloud of choice is? No. So, multipass, you can provision your multipass environment using CloudInit, and okay. so does Azure. And Azure is also the mo the cloud I'm most familiar with. I believe there there is CloudInit adoption on the other clouds as well. But I can tell you just from experience that when you provision an, an Ubuntu VM, it's right there on Azure. You know, there's a box where you can copy and paste that in. So I'm just more familiar with the integration there on Azure, probably just because I'm a Microsoft fanboy. <laughs> no, no, it makes tons of sense, right? But I, I could already feel the tweets coming that's, oh, so it only, I can't use it because let's say they're on Amazon or they're on, you know, whatever, right? I do a ton on DigitalOcean. So, although maybe not most appropriate cloud to use this on because for lots of reasons, right? Oh yeah. No, I, I think cloud and it's supported to some degree on all of them. I mean, it's not like a, yeah, there's, yeah, I think it is on AWS. I'm, I'm not, I don't think Dio has it yet, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, it does. Look at that. Doing a little quick Google search. There you go. See, I, I, I'm afraid to say I'm still a barbarian and I actually use actual like straight up VMs. So, oh, uh, well, this is, this lets you provision, it lets you do VMs, but yeah, you, you don't SSH in and manually do all your. Yeah. Which is a feature, right? So, yeah. so I, I, so the Hyper-V product is graphical Ubuntu desktop VMs on Windows. Mm -hmm. 
other than like using parallels, is there something similar for people on Mac OS? For running? Uh, you know, like a little more optimized uh, desktop Ubuntu. For Mac OS? Not yes. that I'm aware of. I mean, okay. I know there's VMware Fusion. I know there's parallels. Yeah, and they were fine. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like the Hyper-V uh, flavor is a little more optimized, let's say. Yeah, there's no official build of Ubuntu for, as far as I know, for a virtualization tool on Mac OS. Like Which makes is. tons of sense, yeah. Yeah. All right. So is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't think of? <laughs> Let's see. You know, there's other, other ways to access WSL. The code extension, which is the WSL extension for VS Code. VS Code, right, right, yeah. A lot of people uh, aren't even... You know, a lot of developers don't even need to open up their Ubuntu terminal anymore because you remote in code and you instantly have access to, you know, it's just like running code on a Linux, you know, natively. You know, you, you click open and you're presented with your home folder on your WSL distro, you know, and, you know, all the slashes point the correct way, <laughs> you know, so you, you can feel right at home in a Linux type environment, you know, that is exactly like probably where you're going to be pushing your code to. And then you can open a terminal and, and actually deploy from there uh, if you need to. So that's one way to, another way to try WSL. The other thing is that is a developer tool and Microsoft Build is Microsoft's uh, developer conference and it is coming up next week. So if you are interested in WSL, I strongly recommend you, you know, keep an eye out for the news next week. That's when new features tend to be announced. If you haven't registered for build and are interested, you know, registration's free and um, still open. So there'll be plenty of WSL, Hyper-V and kind of Azure Linux content there if, if you're interested in learning more. Let's see. You can find me at, at Unix Terminal if, um, if you want to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> so all right last question then and uh, it sounds like you're teasing wsl features which i will definitely have to register for build what yeah. is your daily driver workstation like you know obviously you know operating system os you know uh hardware we ask everybody sure so my daily driver is a thinkpad uh, t470s nice um, it runs you know it's not super powerful you know but i I've been able to upgrade as much as possible, but it runs Windows 10. I'm on Insider Slow just because I need, you know, sure. the, my risk factor. I want Slow, but I want Insider, but I don't want the potential issues of uh, fastering, at least on this machine. And then I'm running Ubuntu. I'm actually running Groovy Gorilla in WSL already. So I'm running the preview for 2010 just to see, you know, catch any issues before they come up. Makes um, a ton of sense. Yeah. So that's what I run. And then I also keep a Surface Go nearby. And I have a Ubuntu Mate machine on a Rock Pro on my desk. And I've got a KVM switch so I can switch back and forth. So nice. Yep. All right. Well, Hayden, thanks for coming on. Uh, folks, you can find all Hayden's links and links to the, uh, these Ubuntu products, including the. Uh, the Multipath and WSL. Uh, if you are a Windows user, I strongly suggest you at least check out WSL. It, it might change your life. You never know. Aiden, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on, Michael.